you have just tuned in to the difference makers of a new generation. If you want to learn how to make a difference in your life, if you want the skills in order for you to impact your communities, Madcasters is your podcast. I invite you to get ready because this is the launch pad for you to go mad. going on everyone it's your host brian st louis bsl and you're now listening to the ultimate guide to learn how to impact your community i believe that the only way to effectively impact our world is to first progressively change the way that we see ourselves that mindset transformation will launch us to enhance our holistic lifestyle and subsequently impact the world you will listen to founders ceos impact leaders nonprofit organizations activists, and everyday people sharing inspiring stories of how they've become an agent of impact in their communities. You will gain practical tips and tangible steps in order to change your life and impact your community today. You can listen to this podcast on any of your favorite platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, and many more. But please leave a review and a rating on the show. Follow your host on Instagram at Brian underscore BSL. That's B-R-Y-A-N underscore BSL. And for snippets of the show, follow at Madcasters. If you would like to support and donate to our efforts, go to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Madcasters and choose the tier most suitable for you. The more Patreon supporters we receive will equate to more episodes out weekly. If you see value in our podcast, become a patreon supporter thank you for all those supporting and all those who will be supporters today we have with us ayat abuznaid and she is the founder of team humanity i just want to say it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast where we focus on highlighting individuals like yourself who are actively making a difference in the world ayat can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what what brought on this this heart for you to build such an organization as Team Humanity? Sure. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and just talk about my story and how Team Humanity started and kind of the journey. So it was actually my first time volunteering was in 2014. I went to, I don't know if you guys are familiar, um, Zatari Refugee Camp, which is at the border of Jordan and Syria. The crisis with the refugees started back in 2011. It's still going on now. I mean, we're in 2021. um, And so it's been a really long time. A lot of people, I think even now, are still unaware of the situation and what's happening. Mm -hmm. In 2014, again, was my first time ever volunteering. Completely changed my life. I had a friend who volunteered with an organization, came back, told me a little bit about it. um, And that just kind of inspired me to just see what was out there and really understand the situation. So I flew out to Jordan, volunteered for a few weeks at this camp, completely life changing, that's for sure. Um, That was the start of it all. Um, And so what I did from then on was every two months, I would volunteer two weeks. So I would work really hard travel out. um, And I did this for years and years until I decided to start the Team Humanity portion in the U.S. back in 2019. So it's been a really incredible journey. Something I would say I never really planned 
but it's been amazing and I'm so grateful and we've been able to help so much. Um, but yeah, it's just started back in 2014 with me just going out and volunteering and just really seeing what was happening, understanding the situation of the refugees. Wow. I, I must say it's, it's pretty incredible that you found your, would you say that you found your life's calling in, in this? Actually. I did. I did. Um, and so a little bit of my background, I have three other degrees. Um, wow. And this was mm. never planned. Um, <laughs> none of my degrees are in the wow. humanitarian field. So it was, I mean, I would literally, I graduated and I would work, work, go back to school, got my second degree, work, work. And then every two months I would travel out and it was my true happiness. I mean, mm. one thing like people would travel and go on vacation. I would travel and go and help. Um, and all expenses were always paid on me. So, yeah, I mean, so I do feel like it's my life calling. I mean, now I'm doing it full time, time. Yeah. <laughs> traveling the world. Um, but it's been amazing and it's very rewarding. And really, I feel like the children and the refugees are who inspired me to continue and keep doing this. Mm. When, well, first of all, what degrees do you have? Because I, I do want to, I want to hear more so of that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. So my first degree was dental hygiene. Mm -hmm. uh, my second degree was a master's in psychology. And oh. then my final was my doctorate in public health. So that's incredible that you, you ended up going and having three very intensive degrees. These are not your everyday degrees. And, and if people are, would, would say that you would be able to find your passion in one of those, but you have ultimately gone out of of your i would say comfort zone in order for you to to help people in this regard and this is what ended up catapulting you into this whole concept of of, of team humanity do you do you think it's important for people to experience life outside of what they typically know in order for them to actually truly find their true passion like what you've dealt with yeah, 100%. I will say all of the school that I've done combined, I've probably learned the most in life through my travel and just the experiences I've had and the interactions I've wow. had with these people. So I've really grown as a person and learned the most through those situations versus all the education. And education is great because you need that for security and safety, of course, Absolutely. and just to have stability. But yeah, really, I mean, those are those experiences are what made me the person I am today. And, and I've really grown the most through those experiences. That's amazing. I've already wanted to get you onto the podcast for other reasons, you know, to, yeah. to, to see more about team humanity, but to get to see the depth of your mind as well behind this, I think it's just, that's just incredible. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what team humanity is doing as of right now and, and what you're doing to actually help, uh, yeah. So Team Humanity, just to kind of put it out there, was started in 2015 in Europe. Mm. I started the U USA portion um, in 2019 here in the US. Um, mm. So so we basically started in 2015 in Greece. It was during the refugee crisis where, um, again, I don't know if people are really familiar with what was happening back then, but boats were coming in from Turkey to Greece. They would land in Greece, get placed in refugee camps. Uh, Greece is the transit point where they apply for asylum to enter other European countries. Mm -hmm. um, in 2016, the borders closed. So a lot of them were stuck in these camps rather than thinking they would be there for months. It was years up until mm -hmm. now. 
So now we're in 2021. Greece is kind of our base where we have our Hope and Peace Center. We've had that since 2018. What that is, it's basically a distribution site and a facility where we provide aid and food to all the refugees in the camp on the island of Lesbos. Um, mm-hmm. It was initially Moria Camp. Now it's called Karatape Camp. Moria Camp burned. There was a fire back in September. Um, so they had to build a new camp and replace everybody. There's probably over 7,000 refugees now. We basically provide aid to everybody in the camp. That's, again, our base. And then what we also do, we do emergency crisis in many other countries, Lebanon, Bosnia. We were in Armenia not too long ago. Um, So we really just also travel and provide help to anybody suffering anywhere in need. Mm. And so you do work in the United States as well. Is that correct? Yeah, so our headquarters for Team Humanity is in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, okay. and so we there's a few communities here where there are refugees who have been placed in the U.S., um, again, not so much compared to how it is in Europe, but we do also provide aid to those out here as well. Got you. But majority of the work is in Europe. I mean, majority of the work is helping those that are actually sitting in refugee camps. Mm-hmm. waiting for asylum um, and don't have access to food or aid or things like that. And so you've been in those in those areas, right? You've been in those refugee camps and, and these asylums. What what does it what does it feel like? What as a as an individual looking in yeah. like seeing these in, seeing these people in this these types of conditions. What is it how does your heart feel in those moments? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm more a positive person. So I, some people go in and they're unable to handle the situation when they mm-hmm. see people suffering. I go in and I look at all the good that I can do to help them and then to continue to help those. Um, of course, it's really hard. You do have really hard moments because you do hear a lot of stories. You see a lot of things that you would not see in the normal day-to-day life here when I'm in the U.S. Yeah. Children who commit suicide, I mean sexual abuse, sexual assault, like those are things that happen day to day. And, and I don't think people really on the outside really understand the suffering that's happening. Um, and it's, 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 it is hard. It's very sad, but my outlook is I try to focus on the positivity and how I can help Mm. because I think in order to continue and grow as a person, um, and continue to do this work, that's the only mindset you can have. Mm. And so with that mindset of, of wanting to help individuals, what are people even seeing about you as a founder or as a person coming in to help? How do they take your aid in that regard? Yeah, I think, um, meaning, are we talking about the refugees who are coming? Yeah, yeah more yeah. so the refugees or even the countries that, that you're helping. How do they see or, or perceive your your type of help? Yeah, so it's tricky. Every country obviously handles humanitarian care so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, in Greece, I feel like we do get a lot of backlash, and um, some people aren't so receptive to it. Um, mm-hmm. The government and things like that. I mean, it's been a crisis that's been happening for years, so it's a little tricky. I personally have never had any encounters with anybody um, giving me too much of a hard time, I guess is mm-hmm. what I say. Um but so, yeah, it is tricky. And I mean, you just have to adjust accordingly when we're talking about like the government in certain countries and when you're coming in trying to provide the help that you that you want to provide. As far as refugees, I think for them, it's really difficult for them to trust people. Wow. Um, and so 
there's something that I could say, you know, it's kind of like a natural ability. There's just a natural comfort that I have when I interact with them. Mm. You speak Arabic fluently. Not all of them are Arabic speaking. There's some that are Farsi speaking. But I guess what I've been told is, oh, it's so easy for us to be ourselves around you. You just make us feel like you're like us. And I think that's the approach, you know, you never want to make anybody feel like you're better than them. And then once they realize that and just see your hearts in the right place, it's so much easier to give them the help and for them to really feel comfortable. This might be a different type of question, but do you feel like some people may try to help just to feel better about themselves and not necessarily just with what Team Humanity is doing, but in the concept of of help in general? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of people sometimes are searching for something. And so they're trying to figure themselves out. This is how I look at it. And so I've had volunteers, you know, every month we hold a mission, we have volunteers that come in worldwide. So you get to interact and see a lot of different personalities and just see, you know, people's intentions. Sometimes, you know, most of the time, I will say, we have great volunteers. And then sometimes we have a little bit, we do a screening beforehand, but sometimes we'll have people come in and then you really question their intentions and then sometimes you have to kind of dismiss them from the situation because we want to protect the refugees right we don't want to bring anybody in where if we have to question certain parts and certain things safety is number one we don't want that so we'll have to let them go very rarely does that happen again Mm -hmm. we do a screening beforehand so most of the time people come in their heart is in the right place but yeah i've definitely seen people come in um they've been in shock uh, it's nothing like you see like on TV. A lot of the times the media doesn't really talk about what's happening, especially nowadays because it's been an ongoing crisis for years. Um, so I, I see a lot of people that come in and they're always really shocked. Mm. And I do think people try to help because it does make them feel better about themselves. I will say that. And I don't think anything's wrong with that as long as their heart's in the right place. True. True. I, I like that. I like that. Does does a shock factor uh, deter them from doing good work, or do you feel like it it allows for them to be able to uh, just understand life in a different direction? Or them, uh, yeah. yeah, I think it could go both ways. Again, I've had people come in who just break down and cry. Mm. I pull them to the side and kind of say, "Okay, you know, I think this is your time to leave right now. Go to the hotel, go regroup, get yourself together." I know that's a lot to take in, but yeah. what I don't want happening is that happening around these refugees and them feeling Mm. like they're kind of like a helpless case and someone's coming in and crying, looking at the situation that they're in, which obviously isn't going to make them feel good about themselves. So it is normal for people to be in shock when they are experiencing this for the first time. It's Mm. hard to be strong and to see this and see suffering, especially if they've never been exposed to it before. Um, And it does happen. But my technique that I use is I kind of dismiss them, let them go spend a little time away, reflect, gather their thoughts. And just whenever they feel like like they're okay to come back, then they come back um, and then they continue to help. So you do a lot of help also in, in Les, is it Lesbos or Lesbos? Yeah. And you know, it could go both ways. So it's spelled, okay. yeah, there's, it could be a B or a V, but Lesbos. Uh, so okay. the island is uh, Mytilene in Greece. Mm-hmm. Lesbos is where they came in um, on the boats through Turkey. Okay. What, what projects have you, have you done in those areas or any type of projects at all? Uh, Cause we see that, that there's quite a few different types of projects that you've done in, 
in uh, Bosnia and Lebanon. Yeah. Um, the woman children, uh, sorry, the warm children's hearts. Like, yeah. can you explain a little bit more of those of how you're you're impacting lives in that way? Yeah. So our um, so we have our Hope and Peace Center out in Mitalini, so out mm-hmm. in Lesbos, same area. Um, and so what we do there, the Warm Children's Hearts, was basically our focus. We focus on children, providing toys, providing aid, clothing, food bags, um, really every kind of emergency necessity or basic necessity that these people need. Mm-hmm. Uh, from bicycles for children to again toys and things along that way just to kind of bring a smile to their face and just feel like you know they have a little bit of normal feel like a child feel like they you know you don't even realize uh, children not having access to toys and what that does for them and just being mm-hmm. able to provide that and and how they feel so so yeah we focus on that with the warm children's hearts mm-hmm. In Bosnia, we do a lot of aid distribution and kind of emergency crisis. Uh, there's a lot of families living in the forests who are kind of between two borders. So that's more food and clothing and kind of a warm place. Mm-hmm. Lebanon is a lot of food aid with COVID and even just everything, the economic collapse in, in Lebanon. People are really suffering um, and food is a huge concern in Lebanon. Also, back, let me jump back to Lesvos. We are yep. working on our shower project. Uh, so once they, the refugees were re- relocated from the camp in Moria, which went on fire back in September, they mm-hmm. were relocated to this new camp. They're all living in makeshift tents. They're living right along the sea. They were literally bathing in the sea. They don't have access to showers. Wow. And I think right now in the camp, they built seven showers for women and seven showers for men. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of crazy when you think about it, there's over 7,000 people. So think about how yeah. difficult it is just to have proper hygiene. So we, um, hopefully this is kind of new and it's, we haven't really talked about it, but next week we're launching 40 showers mm. um, at our facility where they can come over and not only get the aid, but actually shower yeah. and have access to that, which is something that we think uh, is so easy. And we don't probably don't even think about it, but this that's is something true. that's a huge concern for them. We do a lot of different things. It's just, I don't know, it's just amazing. It's To me, I, I love how you've really come out all the way from from where you, because did you, did you grow up in the States? I did. I'm born and raised. Uh, born and raised. Born and okay. raised, yeah. Wow. And then going from Chicago to, to your first, uh, you know, trip in this way, this mission trip, to be able to now do this full time, it... I I just I love that story of of someone who was willing to see life in a different perspective and wanting to see something better for for others. What makes you continue? What what gives you that heart to 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 go day by day cuz I'm pretty sure it's not an easy work to do. No, you know, I think mentally you really need to be strong and what mm. you're going is the children. Mm. Um, and they're so innocent and, you know, they're exposed to this life and they, by, you know, they don't have a choice. And just to see them smile, honestly, that's what keeps mm. me going. And I think that's what's going to continue to keep me going. That's awesome. I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, lover of children, youth as well. Yeah. You know, so it, it's always, I don't know, it's, there's, there's always something about seeing a kid smile. Oh my no matter God. what they're just continues to keep that. So that's the one thing for me, as hard as it gets sometimes, yeah. that's all I need, you know, mm. and I just continue. And I, again, you know, I'll continue to continue, but. 
That's awesome. I, there's there's this piece that that was written on your on your website. Um, I think it was a drawing from a child when it said we we have found hell. Uh, it says drawings reveal children's trauma at, at Lesbos camp. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that mindset was for for that child to write that or to draw that type of depiction? Yeah. So I think, you know, jumping back to 2015 and them being on these dinky, dinky boats coming in from Turkey to mm-hmm. Greece, that in itself is completely traumatizing to children. Mm. Not a lot of people survived. Many children lost their parents, lost siblings. Um, and so that was very common. Um, and so I think that's where the trauma started. Mm. Um, and then coming in, living in these refugee camps, um, not understanding what's happening. Um, it's, it's really, it's a lot to take in. And so a big part, I think that we, many organizations as we did also in the past, we focus on, okay, well, let's help them kind of get back to some set of, uh, sense of normalcy, drawing, kind mm-hmm. of exposing what they've been through, how they feel, and then talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then through that, do, do you feel like the, the children typically, have this have this outlook of hope um as as you as your team comes to to bring that aid i do i really do because again it jumps back to how innocent children are um and even just the little things of giving them a little bicycle a toy playing with them instantly you make them smile awesome yeah, and so that's what we try to do, little candy bags, juice boxes, croissants, like any little thing like that just to make them happy. And it's so different because, again, children are so innocent and their outlook is a lot more positive than adults who are in this situation. Mm. That, that's that's always the case I, I've come to realize. You know, sometimes it's harder to work with adults than it is with, with children. They have that innocence. They have that uh, outlook to maybe there's there's something more without too much of the of the downpouring of of the evils that we see in the world and so right. but I, i'm i'm so I, i'm just impressed honestly more so than, than anything that you know you've you've taken on this this great work that needs to be done things like this helps me to to refigure and to you know look at what i'm doing to to know how much of an impact, you know, what what type of an impact am I making in my communities and in my world around me too? So I just I just want to thank you for your inspiration for oh, your, your leadership that. as well. It's it's uh it's an amazing thing. Thank you. Absolutely. I'll I'll ask this: How do you feel like this has built you as a person? Uh, how do you feel like this journey, uh, starting in from all the way from 2011, all the way till today, how do you feel like it has changed you the most as an individual? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely made me so much stronger than I think I could ever be. And a lot more appreciative of life. I mean, I'm just so grateful for all the little things that maybe people don't think about day to day. And so it's made me really positive actually, versus um, seeing those situations and then just taking that and just dwelling on it. Instead, I've channeled that to become more of a positive person mm-hmm. and appreciate all those little things in life that I think people maybe take for granted. Yeah, that's important. That's important. I, I mean, when you see people in those situations, there's no way for you not to appreciate what we have here, you know? Exactly. 
So uh, um, that, that's, that's that's key. That's important. What what do you feel Team Humanity needs right now uh, in support for for your missions? Yeah. So again, we have our Hope and Peace Center. We are always in need of constant aid. Um, we do distributions all the time. Again, we have the shower project that we are coming out with next week. So we're going to be in need of continued funds for towels, hygiene supplies for them to shower daily. Mm-hmm. And then also something that we, I mean, I would love to work on and we're trying to get funds again for is to open up a school at our center for the children wow. of camp because they don't have access to learning. So true. Wow. And so it's a, a few different things, but I think it all is from the same, uh, it kind of all stems from the same idea. Mm-hmm. That's great. And and so if someone wants to give, do they, do they go to your website? How do we make it accessible for anyone to be able to, to uh, donate in any way, shape or form? Yeah. So definitely our website. Um, we have our donation link on there. We have mm-hmm. PayPal available, um, which I can provide the link for that. Um, or even just depending if they feel more comfortable doing like a wire transfer, you have ac- we have access uh, to that information as well. Okay. Probably the easiest way, I mean, is probably the donation link on the website mm-hmm. or PayPal. PayPal. Okay. There, you go. there you go. Let, let me ask you a question. What, how do you, what do you tell the individual here who's, who's listening to this podcast and saying to themselves, you know, how do I do what Ayat did, you know, and, and get myself out of my, out of this zone to, to try something new? Because one of the things that we want to do here on Madcasters is to, to teach individuals or inspire individuals and giving them some tips and techniques as to how they can come off uh, from what, from what they're used to, to impact the world in a, in a larger scale or impact communities in a larger scale. What would you tell that individual who's, who's trying to figure out life in this regard and, and trying to see how they can actually serve? Definitely to come out and volunteer. I know it's difficult to go to Greece. And if that's the case, just to volunteer anywhere where there's need, there's need in so many places. And that's definitely the start. That's the first step, I think, for anybody to really understand the dynamic of what it is people are going through mm-hmm. and really understand the suffering out there. So just get out and do it. Get out and do it and just go volunteer. I mean, we encourage when people reach out to me, again, mm-hmm. we hold volunteer trips every single month and we try to gather mm-hmm. groups of people. I encourage people to come out, see it for themselves, really understand the situation because it's so different. I can talk about it all day and you might pick up and understand bits and pieces, that's but true. until you're physically there, that's really the only way you're going to truly understand it 100%. Mm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Ayat. Yeah. Is there any other things you want to leave with us today as we're as we're closing off this episode? Do you have anything you want to leave with our listeners? Uh, any any advice or anything you want to tell us just to finish off with Team Humanity as well? I think, yeah, what I would love to say is just to be more open and receptive to other people's suffering and the refugee crisis and really understand that it's humanity and it's human rights. It's nothing else. Mm. Um, And I think that's important 
um, because a lot of people don't understand um, and they maybe look at it uh, maybe as like a political agenda or religion or things along that way, but it's just fundamental human rights and just really understanding the suffering and what these people are going through. It could be anybody. I like that. I, I appreciate that you said that because too many times we have politicized or made things to be in a specific box that it, it shouldn't be. Right. You know, this is a human rights issue. This is an issue of morality or of, of of just valuing people as who they are. And and if we just need to help, just help. You know, don't try to put it in political, like you said, or religion. Just help people. Just love people and help them where they're at. So love that. Love that so much. I really I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Ayad. I really appreciate you so much for, for coming on to the podcast. I know this was a long time coming and we wanted to get this thing going. Finally got to do it. Yeah. So yeah. for taking the time to do this. I'm so happy you got to learn a little bit more about us and all the work that we do. And hopefully you can understand it a little bit more. I know it looks different when it's on the website and on paper versus yeah. actually talking about what's happening. That's true. And and uh, we might have another conversation here where because uh, I, I want to get out there more. And so who knows? I'm I'm looking for different organizations who I might volunteer with as well. Yeah, so, that's um, amazing. We would love that. Awesome. Uh, any links as well uh, f- for anyone who wants to make sure that you, they can find you on IG, on on online, anywhere, just to make sure that we plug that in? Oh, yeah. So you mean as far as uh, about Team Humanity? Yeah, for Team Humanity or right. yourself. Yeah. Right. So we have our Team Humanity Instagram, obviously my personal Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And then if somebody does want to volunteer, we have the volunteer link on the website where they can apply. So that would be great for them to reach out um, that way if they are interested in actually coming out and, and seeing things for themselves. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And then everyone also, listen, we know that sometimes you may not have the time. At least you may say so. You may say you may not have the time, but donate. Give something out of your out of your pocket that can help a, such a worthy cause as this. Um, you know, we try to bring on individuals and and organizations that are truly impacting the world. And so, if you see value in what she's doing and how uh, Ayat and all the founders are 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 just changing the the their world around them and impacting lives, impacting the children of the future, donate something, give $20, give $50, give give a thousand, whatever you have to be able to give in order for them to continue to work. You, you heard what they said. They, they're looking to build a school. They're looking to, to help, uh, you know, build uh, the, the, the children. There's, there's so much that, that needs to be done in this regard. And so if you have that heart to help in any way possible, help out and and give towards Team Humanity. Thank you again, Ayat, for coming on to our show. And truly, we, we appreciate you and all that you do. And looking forward to, to helping out as much as we can as well here through Madcasters. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Madcasters. Please remember, do what you were called to bring into this world. Find a way to make a difference in your life and in someone else's life today, even if that's just one thing. Follow us on Instagram. Don't forget to leave a rating and review and become a Patreon supporter. Tune in next Thursday as we continue to grow and inspire because this is the launch pad for you to go mad.